audience this is vishwanath for winning edge talks podcast i am in conversation with uh, senior cricket journalist mr r kaushik uh, let's continue with this the program now um, i start doing by asking mr kaushik um kaushik uh, you have authored uh, 281 and beyond with uh, vivas lakshman and he must have bared his heart out to you during the process tell us more about vivas as a person and what we don't know about him asking you about lakshman does what with lakshman what you see is uh, what you get there is no other side to vivas lakshman there is no hidden side it is like he puts everything out there so whatever you see of him as a smiling nice kind polite gentleman is what he is uh, maybe you might think i am biased because we have a really long relationship and he is a very good friend but if you talk to people who know lakshman who have come in contact with lakshman even casually they will agree with uh, what i am saying he is just a genuinely nice person who is a totally dedicated son from what i have seen he is a total family man and obviously he was a fantastic cricketer who entertained uh, all of us with, with him all, it was never almost a quantum of runs he was so disappointed when he got out not because he got out for 80 or 70 or 22 or something like that but because he got out period i mean it didn't the quantum of runs no matter he made 281 you still felt disappointed that he was out because you could not see that artistry anymore during that innings so much you can never just like you couldn't get much of uh, too much enough of lakshman the batsman likewise uh, you can never get too much of enough of lakshman the person because he's just such a fantastic uh, human being to be with uh, and to interact with uh, sir i was coming to that uh, asking you i wanted to ask you do you remember that test match in calcutta in march 2003 when vvs got his 281 and it was artistry for everyone to see and that was one of the greatest turnarounds in test cricket but tell us something more about okay i was not there for, to see the witness the test match first hand you were there let's hear from you yeah a uh, couple of things one it was march 2001 uh, when it happened yes and uh, no sorry it was 2001 uh, no problems and uh, second then was i was not there i was not at the ground one of uh, your previous one of your guests in one of your previous shows joseph hoor my former colleague my colleague at that time he was there at that uh, test match covering the match for uh, the second herald where we both used to work at the time so yes but i did watch the match on uh, television uh, i was covering the ranji trophy game at the time so my uh, my attention was divided between the match that is happening in front of my eyes and the match that is going on going on in calcutta okay. Uh, of course we went back to the room at the end of the day and watched the highlights and obviously it didn't give you the entire atmosphere of of uh, what was happening nothing like being there a person to soak in what is happening but it was it was like it was magic I mean, you for two days you thought oh okay we lost the first test match in three days and okay so similar situation here behind the 270 runs and you know oh another another defeat on home soil against australia another collapse and then suddenly the way things turned around in the second innings it was just fabulous for for a cricket fan yes for an indian fan yes also but even for the neutral cricket fan and maybe even for the die hard aussie fan because their team was so dominant at that time they were sweeping everybody before them so probably they would have enjoyed the contest that that they got after a long time 
and for for from India for India from 274 behind on the first innings, the brain wave to push Lakshman up to number three in the second innings because he had made a good half century attacking half century in the first innings. Uh, so that swap with Rahul Dravid. And the fact, it's one of those great uh, coincidences of life that the two people who swapped positions eventually came up with a partnership that they wrote, probably rewrote Indian cricket. Uh, because at that juncture, teams following on could at best aspire to draw matches. There are only been two previous games that in, in the history of the sport that teams have followed on and come back to register victories. And for India to turn things around and for the dramatic final day victory with Harbhajan and Tendulkar getting the wickets. You know, it was just, it was a great time to be an Indian cricket fan. And the fact that it came so soon uh, after the events of the previous year when the, when, when match fixing was in, in the news and when the sport was, when the trust of the people almost had gone off from the cricketers. So for that victory and the, for, manner, for the manner in which the victory was achieved, uh, it was great for Indian cricket because it managed to get the faith and the confidence of the people back towards towards the sport, towards the Indian cricket team, which, which, which was so fascinating and fabulous to look One of the greatest moments of uh, uh, Test cricket as far as India is concerned. Yeah. Okay. Uh, recently, Darren Sammy has uh, spoken about uh, racist comments uh, uh, coming from his Hyderabad Sunrises teammates. And uh, Chris Kale has also come out in support of him. Uh, is there a possibility that India will be branded as a racist country after this uh, incident? Well, I don't think uh, we should be worried about whether we are branded a racist country or not. I don't think that is the important issue here. What the branding is is not as important as what the reality is. Well, the problem is that for too long we have we have allowed things to drift because in growing up we have not been exposed. We have been exposed to situations where we have allowed things to just carry on, maybe our, our uh, horizons were not broadened enough, we didn't understand that what certain things that we use in our everyday life, certain words that we use should not be, are not acceptable because it is not what you feel, it is about the person to whom it is addressed, it is what we feel. So we have, I don't think it, it, it has been a sort of a conscious uh, racist slant that has existed, uh, prevailed in our society over the years. I think it's, it's something of that whole this is what we are kind of uh, approach which is which has been prevalent and it's not just in terms of race it's also been in terms of the shape of your body the size of your body what uh, religion you come from what community come you come from so there are, there is a, uh, there are slurs and jibes on the basis of all these things and I think the the important thing now now that it has uh, taken uh, Darren Sami to to speak about this subject from an Indian cricket perspective, is that we learn uh, from these mistakes, from, from from whatever we have. We may not even have thought of our mistakes and see what we can do to sensitize our people from a younger age. It starts from our homes, it starts from our schools. Uh, we need to tell people what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a lesson for us. Because I know that in the past, People like Abhinav Mukund, who spoke about it in 2017, then uh, both Abhinav and Ganesh uh, last week. Uh, people have probably needed an outside voice, a voice from outside India for us to take, sit up and take notice of, of this uh, phenomenon, which is whether it is intentional or not, it is prevalent in our country. So it's important 
for us to accept first yes that there is a problem and then to start working proactively to see how we can address the problem it's not something the mindsets are not going to change overnight it will be a slow and it will be a gradual process but the important thing is to first make people aware to sensitize them and then to educate them and after after a while you won't even feel the need to educate them if they understand it because it's a, it's yourself it's the process of self discovery after that and yeah so it is a long haul but i i am confident that if we approach it in the right way and if each one of us takes responsibility then yes and we will in due course uh, we will be on the right path racism was rampant before with uh, apartheid uh, raising its ugly head and south africa not being able to make to play cricket for a long time but now the racism has been taken care of but uh, do you think it's still prevailing elsewhere in cricket yeah well i don't think it is it's limited only to cricket uh, you know it's 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 a it's a worldwide phenomenon and which is why you are seeing the the spontaneous outbreaks of protests in the united states in the over the last uh, sort of 15 days and not just the united states but it's it's spread to the rest of the world because it is a genuine problem and it's not just a sporting thing or it's not just a cricket uh, specific issue it's, it's been there if you just look at it from a sporting perspective it's there in football it's been there in football for the longest of times it continues to be there in football now and it's it's there in all walks of life in everyday walks of life you see it around you in your locality in your vicinity in your city in your state in your country and then when you go out in other countries so basically it is there it is, it is we can we can uh, try to be uh, an ostrich in the sand and say no no it's all a thing of the past it is not a thing of the past it is very much prevalent in so many different parts of the world uh, it's not a, it's not a problem that is only exclusive to india please uh, let us get that straight that is no consolation but i'm saying it's not just an indian problem it is a worldwide problem and as a world uh, as a universe we need to we need to be more understanding and more empathetic because you are not doing anybody a favor by not calling the person names it is just his right so we have to understand that we have to respect his fundamental rights as much as we expect people to to respect our fundamental rights so it it's a question of awareness it's a question of sensitizing people and uh, i mean we can only hope that we all move forward together with the right intentions you have traveled so much all over the world covering cricket and you have met so many personalities have been witness to so many memorable moments incidents great performances uh, what would be your memorable moments oh well, yeah it has been yes i have been uh, fortunate uh, to have seen especially and i am i am a big fan of indian cricket I and mean, i know as a professional i am supposed to be neutral and i try to be as neutral as possible when i do my work but uh, you are a fan first and when you are a fan of indian cricket so my greatest choice has come from watching uh, my team the team representing my country do well so uh, i've enjoyed uh, like i said the pakistan tour uh, i was delighted when india won the test match in perth in 2008 the first team from the subcontinent to win, to win in perth and coming as it did after what happened in sydney in the previous test match the events on the field of the field cricket events concentrating events to go to to go to perth and in searing heat and to beat australia in the most australian of conditions and to win comfortably at that was, was i think a fantastic achievement by anil anil kumble's team it was great to be there to just soak in the atmosphere uh, we were sitting in the we were sitting 
uncovered in like 40, 42 degree heat, but I mean, it was worth it. You feel that, you know, it, it feels good to be a journalist on days like those. I'm very fortunate when India won the world uh, T20 in South Africa that I was there. We, we all had no idea. We had watched and played exactly one T20 match before that international game against South Africa in uh, Joburg the previous year. And so when India went to the world T20 with, with a relatively sort of an experienced team because the big boys were all missing and we had a new captain. And nobody knew what to expect. I mean, we went with, as journalists, we just thought, okay, so we, no, we don't know really what, I don't think we, any of us gave the team a chance and then to see them grow and uh, to embrace the format so beautifully, to have Yuvraj with those six sixes and the blazing 70 or 30 balls of the semi-final against Australia, to watch Gambir play, the kind of winning that he did in the final, and then to watch the bowlers, uh, the fast bowlers have a, such a great impact on the, on the tournament as we went forward. The dream India-Pakistan final, the Sri Shant catch. Well, I mean, that, that was like a, a, a it, was, it was just a, a great uh, place to be in at that time. And then also to be in uh, in Mumbai when India climbed to the number one position in the test rankings for the first time in 2009, towards the end of 2009, again in Bombay a year and a half later when they won the World Cup. So, I mean, these are these are crowning uh, moments that you live and you cherish. I mean, yes, of course, I enjoyed every game of cricket that I covered, but sometimes uh, you, the, the fan in you comes out and when you sit back, when you're doing your job, when you're on in the press box and when you're battling deadlines, you're not really in a position to enjoy what's happening in front of you. You're more sort of looking at it from a professional point of view. You suspend your your, uh, your likes and dislikes, your biases if you like, and your favorites, all this, go out of your system. But when you sit back and reflect and uh, when you go back and watch matches, uh, reruns of matches like we have had enough time in the last three months to watch lots of reruns because there's no live action and then you realize that yeah well yeah, we, we're great to be a witness to some of the seminal moments in Indian cricket history Thank you so much It was as though I was watching a flashback on television <laughs> uh, yes. uh, Sir after the, the, the nostalgic Dhuli Trophy has undergone a change and now there are only three teams, the Reds, the Greens and the Blues. Uh, mm. Some of the players have come out and uh, lamented that they are not able to bond with the players of the team because each team is a mix of players. Uh, they would still uh, want to go back to the old format where the zones played with uh, the, uh, the zones played each other and uh, they knew their zonal players much better. Yes, I mean, I, I do agree. We have we have had a few of the Gullik trophies in, in Bangalore in the last few seasons. So we've been in a position to watch those games and talk to the players uh, on a first-hand basis. And several of them have said even in official press conferences that they would like to see a return to the previous format where people knew each other. It was not just a coming together of a collection of individuals, uh, but people who have played against each other on a zonal basis and uh, within, a, within a zone and therefore are... Uh, they identify with a team like a South Zone or a West Zone or a North Zone as opposed to India Red or India Green or India Blue. Uh, the, there are two aspects to it. One of them is that the zonal format of the Dilip Trophy existed and the Rani Trophy was played in the zonal format. Then you had the five zones and then you had teams from those zones qualifying to the, to the national uh, to the knockout service. Now the Rani Trophy itself has gone uh, undergone a sea change and now it's been divided into four groups. Which is, which is not on a zonal basis. 
So, so this whole concept of familiarity with players is no longer there because it's not like Karnataka is playing only with Tamil Nadu, Hyderabad, Andhra, Kerala, and Goa season after season. That is changed now. So, they, you, therefore, the concept of familiarity with players from the same zone, I don't think, uh, is, is is applicable anymore. Yes, the identity of a south zone or a or an east zone is is probably stronger than a red or a green, but. The, the reason for the zonal format of the Gulit Trophy does not exist any longer. The second uh, point to that is that already the players are playing so many games. Like the calendar is so cramped, you're just almost jumping from one format and one tournament to the other. You have the Challenger Series, then you have the, the other trophy, then you have the Gulit Trophy, then you have the uh, Sayyid Mustakali Trophy. On a, zonal, on a league basis and then on a knockout basis. You have the Vijay Hazari on a league and knockout basis. Then you have the Rangi Trophy. Uh, and then you have the IPL. So the calendar is so packed that there is a good possibility that even if the authorities are able to find slots to have a slightly extended trophy with this only system, the players will burn out faster. There is a greater fear of injuries. How much can a body take? So yes, the need to the desire to want to have a greater identity when playing as a team is important. But you have to understand that uh, currently there are practical issues. Mainly in terms of uh, in terms of the calendar and the need for rest and recovery, it is possible that in this new scenario, if the domestic structure changes to avoid travel to the extent possible and maybe temporarily revert to the uh, zonal system, for instance, we might still have something like that. But uh, I don't think it is sustainable or viable in the long run, just because of the of the of the plethora of matches that. Take place if, uh, if the players anyway get enough opportunities to show what they are made of. Okay, so probably it might have been introduced to uh, give the players more exposures to other players coming from different parts of India, from different cultures, different languages, and I think, anyways, when they make it to the Indian team, they have to de- gel with each other and deliver as a team. Maybe just to give them that feel of uh, uh, mingling with other players. Now, the IPL is already doing that. Maybe that would have been one of the reasons, if I am right. Yeah, and also the, we, we didn't have so many tournaments, we didn't have so many matches. We had lots of time, right? I mean, the Ranji format was different. There, there was no IPL, there was no T20. So, they, their players had lots of time and they had fewer matches to play. Therefore, this was possible in that day and age. The Billet Trophy, the zonal, uh, if you got into the zonal team, it was almost like you were a step and a half away from making the national team. That is what, because invariably most of the, the national players that are representing the national team would also be playing these zonal tournaments. So you were like, you were there, almost there if you got into the South Zone team or the West Zone team, but you were like really close to playing for the country. But now what hap- what happens is that you have the national team playing somewhere, the India A team playing somewhere else, uh, because that is such as the uh, demand for the Indian team and such as the, uh, such as the structure of the international calendar that your top players are not in a position to play domestic cricket. So essentially the whole uh, rubbing shoulders with the best in the country and learning from them and therefore bringing the coming together of people, that concept is defeated now because of these constraints that are there. Therefore, uh, yeah, it, it, it served a purpose at one point when it was it was a very prestigious tournament and because it had the best players in the country playing, but unfortunately but we are a long way away from that now because while the Billet Trophy is going on, a majority of the time, the best players in the country are playing for the country, either in India or somewhere else in the world. Okay. 
Thank you. In the recently concluded uh, women's T20 finals, India lost to Australia uh, in front of a record 87,000 spectators at the MCG. And uh, I, I call it meltdown at Melbourne because uh, India lost to Australia uh, by a huge margin of 87 runs, if I'm right. After winning every match until then, what could have happened? Well, uh, meltdown in Melbourne is a nice uh, headline to have, but uh, I'm not sure it will go down well with the, with the ladies who had a phenomenal, phenomenal tournament. Not just a tournament, they also had, they did very well in the five series that preceded the Women's World Cup, the G20 World Cup. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a bad bad day out in office for the for the ladies. They, they had a very good tournament, and one of the disadvantages, if you like, of playing of playing uh, playing four spinners or going with a spin oriented attack, if you like, is that there is a possibility that one day they might suffer, and they might have a bad day collectively, uh, especially in place of Australia on a beautiful batting surface. Uh, unfortunately, that. That had to happen in the final. They didn't start very well. They didn't look like they were switched on. Uh, they, had, they didn't have a lot of practice coming into the final because of rains and stuff. But I mean, neither the team used it as an excuse, nor am I trying to use it as an excuse. As an excuse, it was a bad day, and uh, and it was not like they had a shot at victory and then they choked. If you're talking about the mind, you said meltdown in Melbourne. Uh, if, if, it, if you're talking about the mind, then it's not like. And they got into a position where they could have won like they did in the 2017-50 World Cup in England and when they couldn't get the job done. India were comprehensively outplayed by a really good Australian team. We need to keep uh, that in mind as well. That the Australian side is a top, top, top side and they were right on top of the game. They were at 100% and they were probably at about 70% at the start of the game and that made all the difference. W. Raman, the chief coach, has done everything possible to keep the uh, women's team motivated for that during that uh, tour, the World Cup tour. And uh, he has not even mentioned the words World Cup even once. Uh, but they faltered when it mattered. But uh, there was a lot of hue and cry that the team needed a psychologist. Uh, do you think a psychologist would have helped uh, uh, the uh, Eves on that particular uh, final? Yeah, the first thing that we need to analyze when I say we, it's not you and me, but the, the experts and the guys who are closely involved with all that is what is it that caused them victory, if you like? Was it, was it uh, just the poor implementation of the skills that they was it Did they falter in execution? Did they falter in game plan? Or were they not mentally tuned for the occasion? I think they were mentally tuned for the occasion. The majority of this team has played in huge tournaments previously, in big tournaments on the big stage. So I don't think they were overawed by the occasion. Uh, Yes, there are nerves which inevitably will be there when you play the final of uh, World Cup in front of so many people. It's a new high for women's cricket, uh, unprecedented numbers. So yes, yes, there will be nerves, and especially when you're playing the host nation who are riding on this the swell of favoritism, which is understandable. But uh, the psychologist is a very uh, delicate subject. Uh, you can't have a psychologist for the sake of having a psychologist. You must have uh, somebody, I, and I'm saying this because I've spoken to uh, players from the men's team who have had uh, not very pleasant experiences with some of the psychologists that accompanied the team because you need to, you need this great trust factor. You have to be 100% confident that what you discuss with him or her stays only with him or her. It doesn't come out in public domain. That is 
Uh, unfortunately, that is not the case with some of the individuals who are associated with the men's team at some stage or other in the 2000s. So there was this huge uh, fear actually of confiding because you were talking to somebody, you are confiding in that person, your worst fears, your greatest insecurities, in the knowledge that that is between that person and you, and that the psychologist is in a position to give you cues and assistance to help you perform at your best. But when you see your worst fears appearing in print somewhere else and the public, uh, totally private conversation coming out in public, then it, erodes, it does more damage to your mind than anything else, than whatever uh, insecurities existed previously. So therefore, while it is fashionable and while uh, it's nice to want to think that having a sports psychologist in the team will put an end to all the problems, I don't think it will ask that and try as well. Uh, many elite cricketers uh, of late are coming out to express their mental health concerns. Do you think cricketers should seek the help of uh, mental health professionals to deal with their stress and mental health issues? Now, uh, yes, you have expressed uh, the concern about the um, confidentiality, the trust. Now, uh, anyways, a uh, lot of cricketers are, have come out and expressed their thing. But one of the, the ethics of counselling and mental health um, counselling and psychology is to uh, maintain confidentiality. If somebody has crossed the line, has gone done wrong, it is it is it's it's a mistake on their part. Uh, but we can't uh, take it that uh, everybody will be doing that because they'll be bound with their contra the ethics part. They will stick to that. But uh, definitely, the cricketers who express about their mental health concerns need to discuss with somebody, and that somebody is always the counselor or a. Uh, psychologist or a psychiatrist, whoever that may be. But uh, if you don't do that, they, they have always said that keeping that within you will always trouble you. So at some point of time, they need to come out. Yes. It. it also happens to the general public, you know, general, the common people. They, they can't keep it burdened within themselves. I agree. I agree with you. Yes, I, I agree with you. But whether they should is their choice. We can't force them. Nobody should tell anybody that we have to do it. See, my, my thing was from a team perspective. And you want to appoint, if you want a psychologist with the team, then these are the potential pitfalls is what I was trying to convey. If you have an individual problem, you are going to go to a person that you already trust. If you're going to a, a mental counselor, a health, mental health counselor, or if you're going to a psychiatrist, if you want, then those are people that you know through somebody, you develop that trust. And yes, if you, if you feel the need that you need to talk to somebody to clear your head, to confide in them, yeah, it is. It is very important. It's always better to to get it out and share it, and then uh, keep it bottled inside of you. As a as a people, we were, we were very reluctant to talk about uh, our men, mental health issues because there is, uh, for some reason, um, which I can never understand, there is a stigma with with uh, mental health. It is, it is just like a physical ailment. It, it can happen to anybody. I don't. I don't see a reason why. Uh, we should, we should associate a stigma with mental health issues, but unfortunately we do. But I'm glad to see that more and more people are coming out and sharing their experiences about depression, about mental health problems, about seeking help. Because when you hear uh, uh, people, celebrities, if you like, when you hear role models, when you, uh, when you hear about a Virat Kohli talking about his, uh, his insecurities, or when you talk about a Deepika Padukone talking about her depression, it does, uh, it, then you feel that, look, I'm not the only one in this. There are other people going through this, so there's no reason for me to feel ashamed, or there's no reason for me not to seek help. So from that perspective, I think gradually 
uh, we are we are uh, opening up to the possibility of discussing our issues with people it doesn't have to be in public it should not be in public Pick, uh, find people who you can trust find people who work for you and seek help and because ultimately so there are we go through life not even knowing if those even very close to us uh, uh, need help or they are desperate for help so it is uh, important for us as individuals to take the first step and then i'm sure that once we reach out and once we seek out help then we will definitely get it but it's important to acknowledge that yes there is a mistake and to, to what, what can i do to find a solution to the problem thanks so much uh, as the saying goes tough times don't last but tough people do tough people always get through their those those tough times but it is those the frail ones in the mind uh, we, we i don't want to call them as weak minds but some some people who can't withstand that pressure or stress or uh, the happenings in their lives that they break through uh, many promising careers have been broken uh, have been nipped in the bud because they were frail in the mind do you think those are the ones that require mental support i think everybody requires mental support uh, whether it is uh, the frail ones as you call them or whether it is the strong ones as you call them i think eventually it is uh, there is no template to any of these all of us need uh, help not necessarily in this regard but in some regard or other none of us is an island we are we depend on other people we rely on other people and i think the most important thing whether you are strong of mind whether you are not strong of mind is that you must accept that if there is a problem i can seek help but there is no shame in seeking help once we get that into our psyche it's a little bit again like the uh, the racism that that we were discussing earlier that we have to understand and acknowledge that this there is a problem and yes if i work towards it i can find a solution so the important thing is to be honest to oneself you don't have to make a song and dance of it obviously you will not but you must you must find people who and there are everybody has got people in their in their lives who will be there for you no matter what so you have to rely on them to help you out during the difficult period the first you must acknowledge to yourself that there is a problem and to you must reach out for help so whether you might be very strong today but at some stage there will come a breaking point for everybody for majority of us there is a breaking point so if you can address this issue right at the beginning without allowing it to fester then there is no danger of a bad tomorrow whereas if you keep it bottled up inside you and allow it to build and build and build and build then it will it will take its toll eventually in whatever shape or form it will uh, take a toll it is incumbent upon each one of us to be to be aware of what's happening and also we can look out for other people as well if you feel that there is a problem with somebody else if you identify that there is a problem with a near dear one then it becomes almost it is non negotiable that you try and help the person on your own voluntarily without even uh, waiting for someone to ask you for help it's a two way street if you can uh, see somebody if you do see somebody sorry if you do see somebody who's uh, struggling then reach out and help them and if you are struggling yourself please do reach out and seek help thank you mr rashid thank you for bringing that awareness uh, to the sporting fraternity especially the budding uh, athletes uh, who, who aspires to make it big so that is your area of expertise i'm just doing <laughs> my little... no no yes but uh, we need people like you to acknowledge yes. the thank fact you. that uh, it is required and it's not a taboo at all anymore uh, thank you so much uh, mr kaushik i were coming down to the last question of this uh, talk show uh, yeah yeah thank you Uh, how difficult is it for the coaches of indian teams to handle yeah. uh, superstars in the team uh, john wright gary kirsten and ravi shastri have done it smoothly 
whereas greg chapel and anil kumble have found themselves at the wrong end uh, though we can't speak of anil and greg in the same breath what have you got to say about that well uh, i don't know i don't know how to react to that because see at, at the top level what is what is a coach he is not going to come and find you in your game on a daily basis is not going to tell you your elbow is coming from there or your right hand is not finishing properly and your follow through it's those little little small subtle changes that you talk about but more than that it's what you do to address the group as a whole from a reasonably uh, secure mental perspective and from playing uh, as a team not forgetting about the basics you know those are like small small things the coach is probably not the right word it's more of a man manager is handling the probably the bigger the team the bigger the egos so probably has to handle egos there are there are ways of doing things there is no there is no template uh, whatever works for each individual with each team you can work with different teams in different manners your style can change and has to change because at the end of the day we have to realize that the the players are the ones who are doing the job you are just a facilitator you can tell them whatever you want you can't play for them eventually everything depends on what they do out there in the middle so your responsibility is to give them the best possible environment which encourages them to go out there and be at their best their best may not necessarily result in victories all the time but at least you know that they're giving the best and as a coach you should be able to live with the fact that if your guys have given the best and they are still not uh, able to win that's okay because it is not the want of effort you know you can't allow it to go on you want results at some stage but more than results you want the endeavor and you want the effort and it, for that it becomes important that you create the right atmosphere so what, how do you create the right atmosphere again there is no template to that it's important to find out the what works for certain people you can't have one rule for everybody in saying this is what it's just like training is very uh, specific you can you have different uh, different training parameters for fast bowlers as opposed to batsmen uh, as opposed to spinners as opposed to wicket keepers different muscles different part of the body that needs strengthening likewise each individual is different as as the coach or as as the man manager if you like you need to understand the psyche of each of those people and provide them with that with, with the with the space which which allows them to be relaxed and at ease some people do it better than some other people it's not necessary that you you must have played at the highest level and been successful for you to be a great coach it helps you to understand the uh, demands of a high level sport yes but uh, there is no guarantee that if you are a great player you will automatically become a great coach or just like there is no necessity that if you have not played sport at the highest level that you will not make a good coach we have examples of uh, both in both cases of great players not making great coaches and of uh, reasonably more play modest cricketing credential people becoming really phenomenal coaches there is no template it is uh, about how you read the situation it's about how you manage to uh, convince the people that uh, you are one of them you are not the boss because coaching cricket is very different different from a manager in football in football oftentimes a manager is is the boss especially there's somebody like alex ferguson but uh, in cricket the coach is always uh, second to the players his his role is uh, more of a background kind of role it's the guys the players who are in front and once you attain that uh, once you reach your understanding and once you attain the balance of them in the forefront and you at the back and you are a facilitator more than a, more than a, a dictator uh, then it becomes uh, much easier for everybody well uh, thank you mr kaushik for coming on the show and talking to winning edge talks uh, 
there was so much knowledge sharing from you uh, with your years of experience in writing about cricket. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to you. Thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Mr. Shnath. My pleasure. Uh, it was good fun uh, chatting to you and uh, all the best for your future endeavors. Yes, sir. Most welcome. Thank you so much.